Managing the growth of your business and hiring new employees can bring human resources complications. Today on the Financial Operating Base, we'll be discussing all things human resources with Jason Kavnis, U.S. Army veteran and CEO of Kavnis HR, a subject matter expert on human resources for small to medium businesses. Welcome to the Financial Operating Base, a podcast and community to help you, the veteran entrepreneur, to navigate the terrain and accomplish your mission of business success. Joining us today, we have Jason Kavnis, U.S. Army veteran and CEO of Kavnis HR to talk about all things HR for your business. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Tell us about your time in the military and what eventually led you to advising veteran entrepreneurs. Thank you for having me today. So I joined the Army right out of high school. Um, interesting story, how I got involved with HR. So you know how you take the ASVAB test and you go in and they give you choices. So I had two choices. One choice was HR, well, editor general, and the Army is called editor general, basically HR, or to be a parachute rigger, repairing parachutes. So, you know, they show the videos. The one video was of the parachute people, you know. It's like, slight exaggeration was like 1,000 men in a, in, a, in a dirty warehouse, you know, working hard, sewing, sewing parachutes, you know. And then they show the, the, the video of the HR, you know, nice office, computers, air conditioning, and remember, I'm like 18, 19 at the time, you know, decent looking female. So like, okay, this is a no brainer right here. Let me go to <laughs> HR. So that's how it started. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. So did eight years enlisted, went to OCS, did 17 years of officer side, retired a few years ago. Um, you know, of course, the Army, they tell you you get to do a lot of traveling. Some places you want to go to, some places you don't. But we, we, we had a pretty good career. Uh, Germany twice, Italy, Korea. So not, no, not decent places. I really got a lot of good assignments. And, and some more background. So how I got it started into, we'll say the starter space. So, you know, when you get out of the army, the army does, does the, what's it called? The TAF, the transition stuff. And when I retired in 2015, I can, you know, get on LinkedIn, connect with people, find a job that way. So I'm connecting with people, you know, trying to find a job. A guy named Mark Monroe reached out, Mark Monroe reached out to me. He said, hey, Jason, my name is Mark Monroe. Have a startup called Minor Fold. Can you tell me how the, and we, what we want to do with our startup is help graduates from college and veterans find jobs by doing a skills test because we believe the resume doesn't really like help y'all out find a job, which is true. How is the army, can we meet and, and you'll tell me how the army's going to help you find a job? Like, yeah, but what the blank is a startup, right? Because I had no clue what a startup was, anything like that. So we met, he explained like product market fit, MVP, all these like startup terms to me. And, and I asked him, well, you never talk about HR. Why is that? Oh, well, HR, you know, we do that later on down the road. We don't have time for that right now. And so, well, let's make a deal. You know, I think we made a pretty good connection. We get on pretty good. Let me join your startup. And I realize I won't get paid anything, but it'd be, be a good, good experience for me. Let me do your HR for you. And you're like, well, let me, let me think about it. So me being me, like most Army people, kind of aggressive, I pretty much hired myself. So I started going to meetings, you know, started making products, started recruiting. So pretty much hired myself. And of course, like most startups, you didn't make it. So, but after I was there for two years, like I said, I did everything except for code and design. An interesting side note, the person that did our marketing for us, who's currently Uber, and the person who did design for us, both with the highest of my daughter in Korea. 
So that's a pretty interesting dynamic. But I'm going to all these meetings, doing recruiting stuff, going to startup grinds, going to networking. No one's doing HR at, at the startup level. So man, this might be a business idea. Let me do some more research. So did some research to Small Business Administration, J. Cochran Foundation, I think it's called. Over 5 million small business in the United States, most don't have HR for whatever reason. But two reasons. One is the HR guy like me is like 50,000 to 100,000 year plus benefits. A small business can't afford that. And so, so-called HR consultants like 150 to $500 an hour. You know, they can't afford that. And to me, consultants like under-deliver uh, under value and overcharge. And so just going on like that. And of course, they tell you, you know, you have to validate your idea. So from January, June of 2016 or 2017, I talked to 331 small business owners, people with tech startups. And many times I make sure I do, like, I didn't know any of these people. Like, I just randomly called them out of the blue and said they were meeting with me. As more detail than this, but I asked them, would you pay for HR at a decent price and what I'm you know, providing? 71% said yes, 19% said no. The rest said pretty much FHR, I'll never pay for it, you know? So just based on that, I thought I had a good enough leeway to start, you know, to start a business going for it, so to speak. Hey, this is Joe. That, that's pretty cool. So you got to taste a startup that didn't work where we always learn lessons. And then you engaged your own startup to advise startups, which is, yes. uh, which is really interesting. Um, you've, you've got a great perspective on things. Um, can you share with the audience some of the, you know, almost the reasons why people would need you or what are the common human resources mistakes that you see entrepreneurs and startups making? Um, they, they could otherwise avoid. I mean, that's several. One is, uh, you know, I'm a new business, so the rules don't apply to me. Well, the rules are based on number of employees, so the rules do apply to you. Another one is hiring. You know, just because you're you've been best friends with someone for five years, and you know, you play pool together and drink beer and go to games, doesn't mean he's the best person to hire to your marketing. You know, that's another thing. Another thing is, is pay. I mean, are you paying your people the right way? And and, and it goes both ways. You know. If you overpay your people while well, you're losing money from your business, which keeps you from growing your business. But of course, if you pay people not enough, they're going to find another place to go. Compliance is a big thing. I mean, this, and what people don't realize, HR, each location has different rules. Like here in the state of Washington, Seattle has its own set of rules. Tacoma has its own set of rules. And the rest of the state has its own set of rules. And California is like, you no, know, just crazy with HR laws. Some states, like, like Texas, Kansas, Idaho, they mirror the federal like, executive team. There's so many rules out there, and, it, and it, things change all the time. And it's hard for, for you to keep up with it. It's hard for me to keep up with it. Just so many different things to do. Um, and another thing with um, with small business owners is compliance is a big thing, of course. And I think the rule with HR is just, you know treat your people the way you want to be treated too. You know, like if you're an employee, would you want your boss to treat you like the way you're treating your employees? You know. What does a typical engagement look like? So if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm listening, I'm like, man, I need some of this because I didn't even know that these states had different labor laws, you know, different than, than the federal level, or I don't even know how to think about how much I should pay or, or can pay or something like that. What does an engagement look like when someone works, works with you? So you'll, you'll come to our site or somehow we meet up and um, you, you sign up for a user account. And with that, we give you a, a, for free a two-page called HR Laws. Laws you got to follow based on number of employees. For example, um, like for example, like tech startups get a lot of um, beef for not you know hiring people over forty. But technically, they're they're new, they're not getting anything wrong because technically and legally, 
the law against discrimination against, against people over 40 doesn't go in effect until you have 20 employees. So, you know, things like that, you know, which people don't know. And that's why they can get away with it. That's real interesting. Yes. Uh, so different laws like that. So you get those two, two HR laws based on your location. Then we give you links to all your labor posters that you got to put up where your employees can see it. And then again, you know, each location is different, you know. Of course, the federal ones are the same, but the state ones are different. And then after that, you have you sign up as a platform. We send you 10 questions for your employee handbook. Like most HR consultants, they give you like template for, for handbooks, which is the same thing. We give you 10 questions to answer so you can do the handbook tailored on your needs. So example questions that you, you would answer, like how many days off you want to give employees and stuff like that, what, what paid holidays. We make them give a welcome message and a closing message. So one thing we do differently, most people will tell you the handbook is for like the compliance and what not to do. Where at Kevin's HR, we try to tell people, no, it's more for like, like your culture and your values. This is the first chance you get to tell your people what kind of company you want to have. And then after 10 questions, we give you a 30 HR policies. And those you got to decide which one you want to keep. So, for example, one policy is time off a parent teacher conference. The other policy is time off a jury duty. You know, you might say, no, I don't want to pay people for jury duty. That's, you know, decisions the owner has to make. And, of course, we'll tell you the pros and cons of each one. Then, of course, we do a responsive HR advice using um, different methods. So two examples I use, you might call or, or you might tell us, hey, you know, Joe hasn't been working four days. Can I fire him? And we'll you know, have to walk you through that. Or it might be, Mary, we're going to fire Mary tomorrow, but we found out today she's pregnant. Can we still fire her? You know, those, those kind of things, you know. And the thing with HR you actually have to work at work, look at perception too. Perception is reality as far as HR, you know, cause like, even though the female might've been pregnant and you might fire and you might be, be um, in your rights to fire cause you know, didn't perform whatever, but how's it going to look for your company if you fire a pregnant person? You know, it's, it's not going to look good, you know, so you got to really be, do that stuff too. Another thing I think a lot of business owners mess up too is uh, what I call fair and equal. So let's say you have two people that work for you, do basically the same job. And let's say you're paying them both $20 an hour. One person, that's a great employer, right? Always there you're supposed to do, always on time. If you ask for help, they're always there to help out. I mean, they're always like a team player, right? The, the other person, always late, half finishes projects, always disappears when you need them, you know? In the, the year, for some reason, you decide to give them both a, a dollar raise per hour. Well, I would say that's equal, but it's not fair. And the person who's doing the job for you is probably going to leave you pretty soon. So I think a lot of business owners are scared to make the tough decisions and, and do the right thing for the person who's taking care of them. Yeah, I think what you just said is, is really valuable because um, our greatest asset is our people. And um, what you're doing is really providing a value driver and a value add. And one thing you said a second ago is it's not just a series of, of checklists and policies, um, but it's really shaping the culture that you want to have with your people, um, which is really important for driving the value of the business, as well as attracting and uh, retaining talent. So what are some ways that business owners can attract and retain that quality uh, talent employees that, that you know, they're looking for? Um, and what can they do to keep a great employee that may want to leave or starts looking around? What are some ways to, to find, attract, and keep um, talent. So ways to find them, I think you got to go outside your comfort zone. I mean, for example, let's say you have a company and you have like, you know, 10 white guys and you want to bring on some diversity. 
well, you probably don't want to go back to where you found those original 10 white people are, right? You probably want to mix it up, you know, like, like here in the Seattle area, a lot of people talk about diversity, but they keep on going to the University of Washington, Washington State to recruit people or the Coding Academy. You got, you got to mix it up. And I think a big thing too, you got to have a good employer brand. Like I know a lot of companies are scared of being on social media, but I think you got to be on social media and show your, your brand. For example, there's a, there's a company in Seattle and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but every Friday they do a, like an Instagram live and the, and the CEO barbecues for everyone on, on, the, on the patio every Friday, right? So stuff like that. And you just got to be able to look at, at different places and, and different opportunities. Like example, like there's like, you know, there's um, HBCUs, historic black college universities, there's prison populations. Of course, you know, if, you, if you're hiring a CFO, you probably want to hire someone who's been in prison for embezzlement, of course. But, you know, there's like, there's like, like 600,000 people return from prisons every year. And most of them, you know, could do, do your place a lot of good, you know. Of course, you know, like you still got to do background checks, like, you probably don't want to hire someone as a delivery driver who has like three DOIs, of course, you know. So you got to think about that too. There's just a lot of different places. And that right now, there's always like there's a disconnect, you know. The employers say, hey, there's no talent out here. And the employees are like, yes, we're here, but you're not, you don't want to find us, you know. There's, a, there's a, like the candid black holes that's going on. And the, and the stuff you shouldn't do, like, like it was on LinkedIn the other day. Somebody posted a job description. It basically said, entry level position, but you needed seven years experience. And it's like $15 an hour. But pretty much, like, you could be the president of the United States based on what they needed, you know. So a lot, a lot of that stuff is going on, too. And then how to keep employees. So I always say, if, like, if your employees already think about leaving or they've took a job offer, you probably let them go. Because stats show, once they start thinking about leaving or they accept the offer, even if you, like, like, double the pay, whatever, stats show within a year they're going to leave anyway. Because you're, you're not solving the problem that led them to look for a different job to leave, you know. Another thing, too, I'll, I'll tell, like, small business owners or owners in general, I think a big problem is, like, you'll tell an employee, I want you, I want you to do this. So we're at step, step number one, and I won't get to step number 10. And they'll say, I want you to do everything is like how I said, like, for step two, three, four, five, so, so and so. But I think it'd be better served with saying, hey, employee, we're at step one, I won't get to step 10. You tell me how you're going to do steps two through nine, and we talk about it, you know. So I think... A lot of people say, oh, I'm not a micromanager, but in truth, I think they still micromanage a lot and that leads people to leave. It, you mentioned the case earlier about, um, you know, you might have cause to get rid of someone, but uh, it may not look good. Um, what's really, what should an owner, business owner be thinking about when they start to see those sort of first signs of maybe underperformance or poor performance, lack of accountability? Because uh, you sort of need to build a case, right, to explain why you're going to let someone go. So sort of, you know, how long should an employer measure those things? How should they measure them? How often should they counsel and review people um, so that it is very on the table and transparent about their performance? So the United States is pretty much a is pro-business country, even though most people might not think it is. So most states, it's, it's called at will. So pretty much you can fire anyone for any reason you want to. As long as you don't say, I'm firing you because of race, color, sex, you know, those kind of things. You know, you can't say, hey, James, I'm firing you because you're Hispanic. You know, you can't do that. But you can't say, I'm, I'm letting you go because you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't meet my criteria. So most states don't have a, like, um, anything where you said you got to, you know, show, uh, like, you got to, like, write down the counselor's names or whatever. A lot of small business owners do that because it makes it feel good. So that's the thing you have to decide on your own. But, like, with firing... 
no one wants to fire anyone. Like no one wants to be the bad guy. Cause usually when you let somebody go, it's probably six months too late. Cause I think the rules should be, if, if it comes to your mind, you should let someone go. You should probably let them go a long time ago. Cause if you're just now figuring out this guy, guy or this person needs to leave, trust me, your employees have known that for a long time. And they're waiting for you to make the right decision. And, and the longer you keep a non-performer, you know, that's going to cause your performance to leave. That's going to cause just distractions. So the sooner the better, but no one wants to be the bad guy. Like it's just, it's just human nature. Everyone wants to like try to make a plan. Let's do a performance improvement plan. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's, but sometimes people don't work out. And the sooner you let them go, the sooner they can go find something that's better for them and you can replace them. Now I'm not saying like, oh, Tom was late for one minute as far as them. I'm not saying that, but it's, I mean, you know when someone's not working out. And a lot of that is, is um, leadership principles, not just in terms of evaluation or 360-degree evaluations and, and, and performance reviews, but more of um, connecting with the people that you work with and that work for you and make sure that, that they're getting proper feedback, proper encouragement, and proper direction, really. Um, are there things that, that you provide to your clients um, that are more of that leadership orientation um, to help people properly communicate and motivate with their people? Yeah, so we do have a, a leadership culture offering. So how that works, like you sign up for a car HR or a culture person, Danielle Young, who's also a combat veteran. And she was like one of the first females in the female engagement teams. She gives you a, the business owner, like a, a free 30-minute consultation, so to speak, to walk through things and see that it's something we can help you out with. So we do offer that. And, and for performance management, a lot of companies do it like once a year, which that's nowhere close enough, you know. Like you, I think you got to do it as, at every opportunity. Because a lot of people say, well, uh, James knows they're not performing right. Why do they keep on doing this? Well, if they know they're doing the right thing, why are they keep on doing this, right? They probably think they're doing the right thing because you haven't told them this wrong. You know, people always assume, oh, they have to know they're doing wrong. Well, common sense was saying, if they know they're doing wrong and they want to keep their job, why they keep on doing this? This doesn't make comments. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, Danielle is great. I this is Joe. I know her personally um, through Bunker Labs, which I think you also uh, work with in the Seattle area. There, um, when, when when you think about working with startup entrepreneurs like that, what are some of the advice you give them from your own experience of starting a business? Well, first, I would say just get started. You know, there's never a perfect time. The, the stars will never be aligned for you. You know, the universe, you know, it will never be, you know, unicorns walking, walking, walking around if you can start your business. You just got to get started, you know. You're never going to have enough money. Nothing's going to be right, you know. You just got to do that. And the other things, too, you got to figure, you know, you got to have patience. Like, example I use, someone asked Mark Zuckerberg a few years ago, what's it like to be overnight success? His reply was, well, we don't count the six years I coded in my basement. Well, yes, this has been a great overnight success, you know. You know, Steve Jobs, well, it took him eight years before Apple, you know, kind of made it, you know. There's no such thing as overnight success. Another thing, if you think it's going to take six months, it's going to take a year. Whatever time that you have, it's gonna, it's, you, you got to double that, you know. And another thing, too, like it's your idea, it's your baby, so to speak. You can't expect the people to work for you to have the same driving energy as you because it, it's not theirs, you know. Even if you're paying them or giving them equity, you can't expect them to be all in like you are. It's, it's not feasible. So example, there was, um, have you seen that video? It was like, I think like two weeks ago where these um, two people were running a track from Texas A&M, like the 100 meter dash. And then one guy like dove at the last five meters to win. So somebody posted that and they said, well, if you're not all in like this guy who dove, I don't want you to work for me. Of course, you got blasted by everyone. Like you can't expect the people to be there for you. Um, 
I mean, another thing too, like when you, a lot of people to give you a business advice, you got to realize that advice is based on their experience and their, and their lens, so to speak. It might be right for you. You, you got to keep that in mind too. And you got to be humble and, and that, those kind of things. Great stuff. Uh, as part of business, uh, your business at Cavanus HR, you also host a podcast. We're still in our early days here at the Financial Operating Base podcast, but how do you think we're doing? You're doing great. First of all, you have a podcast. I mean, like, like I was going to wait until some unicorns came around, but we just got to go for it. That's the way to be. And, and, and one thing, like, you got to realize a lot of people get that, like, when you, a lot of people start, they get caught up with numbers. Oh, I don't have enough downloads. But people don't realize, like, this podcast doing here is evergreen. Somebody might look at this two years from now, a year from now, you know, and you got to realize that. Um, another thing, too, like, you, you'll see all these, like, you're on an anchor, you'll see all these podcasts. Oh, everyone's doing a podcast. Well, no, everyone's not doing a podcast. And there's so many things to do with podcasts. Like you can take this audio, you can turn it to a blog post. You can you know, use a Zoom video, make it a YouTube video. There's so many ways to repurpose it. You can like take a little like 30 second clip. Like what I do on my podcast at the end, I'll, I'll, we'll ask, um, we'll come to the end of a podcast. Can you give me like some last minute advice? And that 20 second answer, we turn to a teaser for the podcast and push it out. You, you, I mean, there's so many things you do. Like also for mine, I upload the podcast to Snapchat and do, do this podcast on Snapchat too. I mean, there's so many ways to put it out there. So, and of course, then you just got to be consistent. You know, a lot of people start a podcast and they do it for a week or like do it for two months. They'll stop, come back a month later, or they'll do like one podcast on Monday and then do it on Wednesday. So you just got to be consistent. There you go. A little bit of, a little bit of marketing um, advice too for our listeners also. As, as part of our military backgrounds and business backgrounds, um, I tend to find we all gravitate towards um, quotes or sayings and th things that inspire us. Um, can you share with us a, a quote that guides you or inspires you that you think about when you're running your business? So mine is, and to be honest, I don't know if I stole this from someone or I came with myself, but mine is like, I put on, on, on everything, be great every day. And what I mean by that is like not generally like not like like not be great every day, but like do your best every day, add value, do something to improve other people's lives every day. Do just do your best. Love it. Thanks, Jason. Hey, where can our listeners uh, get in touch with you? So we're all over social media. Like if there's a channel, we're on it. Like so, basically, uh, if you go to either Cabinets HR or Jason Cabinets HR on LinkedIn, um, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. I mean, we're even on TikTok. We're we're everywhere. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. This is, a, this is a lot of fun. Thank you very much. And here is some additional conversation we had with Jason Kavnis after our initial interview ended. Wow, that part about customer discovery was really good. I mean, I think what we find with a lot of entrepreneurs we speak with is that they're either afraid or hesitant or think it's a waste of time to do that customer discovery. But that's really where you find out not only is your product or service going to be good in the marketplace, but it also helps you understand the marketplace better. Yes. I mean, it's something you have to do. I mean, don't be wrong. It's hard to do. It's just troublesome. It takes a lot of time, but you just can't build a product and idea without your customer feedback and, you know, validating your idea. And, and you know, be honest, some people give you great feedback. Some people are like, man, I just wasted, you know, an hour of my time, so, but it, it, you have to do it. Another thing too, I've learned I, when I did it a couple of years ago, You'll give me your idea, what you want to do. And a lot of people tell, oh, that's a great idea. Is you're going to do good, blah, blah, blah. But they're really, 
I've learned they're really just blowing you off, right? They're not really giving you any good feedback. The feedback comes when someone starts asking you questions like, who's your competitors? Have you thought about this? Have you done this? So that's what you got really got to focus on. And the people who will be like, well, that's a great idea. You just can't say, oh, thank you very much. You got to say, well, why do you think it's a great idea? Would you, would you buy this from me? Do you know anyone who, who would, you, your, would you recommend this to your friends? So you got you to gotta do a deep dive and make them give you the answers that's going to help you, you know, validate your, your business. Exactly. Actually, the more difficult those customer discovery interviews are, the more you're going to learn out of them. Because if it's just a compliment session, you're really not going to learn anything that's going to impact your business. No, you're not. And it's wasting your time and wasting their time. Jason, we were talking about this a second ago off air, but it's really interesting how, you know, the reputation of kind of the startup community, especially tech startups and, and how they want to hire young people. But we were talking about how much knowledge and experience is out there in kind of that 40 and up, you know, workforce that we were, that you were referencing. Um, and, and it's interesting to me because at this day and age, even when you hire someone, I mean, it's got to be a cultural fit, but uh, you know, it's pretty well known that it's not like you're going to stay at a company for 50 years. You know, even if you hire someone that doesn't fit your millennial tech startup um, stereotype, it's not like you're hiring someone for the long, long term anyway. So I think, I think there's a large part of the demographic that is missed out because of, you know, things like that. Yes, I, I agree with you. I mean, they, they, the over 40 crowd can actually bring a lot of experience and, you know, you know, and, 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 and teach them how not to make mistakes they made. But on the flip side, I think a lot of the 40 year old crowd have to take a lot of blame too. Cause a lot of 40 above they're like, well, they're not humble enough to like, Oh, I'm going to work for this 24 year old kid. You know, I've no more than him. Watch over for him. And of course a lot of 40 year olds are like, they're not place in life where they have a mortgage paying for college. And most startups don't can't afford to pay anything right now. So that's another thing too. Like here on, on John base, Lewis McCord and here in the Seattle area, I do some job seminars and I'll, I'll tell like the people retiring, look at startups. Like, there's a website called www.angelist.com. There's, there's all the startup jobs across the United States. And last time I looked at it, in Seattle, there's like 3,000 startup jobs in Seattle. And so I try to push them to look, look at startups, and most will say no because, you know, they can't afford to or, or you know, not being humble enough to go to work for someone like 25 years old. Like, I'm a retired star major. I'm not going to work for no 23-year-old kid right out of college. What kind of sense I make? Not realizing the value that they could add and the metrics they could provide to those young people. Yeah, I mean, this is a great conversation. Like we talked about on, on the podcast, I mean, there's a lot of leadership here. You know, we think, uh, we tend to think of HR as, you know, payroll and, and don't get sued for firing someone. But when it comes down to it, this is like you said on the episode, this is culture shaping. Um, this is future building. Yes, it is. And, and people don't realize how expensive HR is. Like some, like some people say HR is only recruiting, only payroll. No, it's like culture, leadership benefits, payroll. I mean, it's just so many things. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Jason Kavnis, where we discussed human resources as a way to build culture. Visit his website at www.kavnishr.com, register a username, and leave him some feedback. We'll leave you with this quote from Sir Richard Branson. Train people well enough so they can leave. Treat them well enough so they don't want to.
Thanks for joining us on the Financial Operating Base podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so send us your questions or feedback to financialoperatingbase at gmail.com.